Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, a slight tangent, the crappy quiz, and you had to be there. You have to be there, like, but I wish I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Off the Ball Daily. Now our Club GA coverage here on Off the Ball is with thanks to AIB. They are the proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Club Football Hurling and Camogie Championships. Check out the hashtag the toughest, especially this weekend, because we've got the All-Ireland Club Senior Football and Hurling Championship Finals at Croke Park on Sunday afternoon. The first game of two will be last year's beaten finalists, Ballyhale Shamrocks of Kilkenny, eight-time All-Ireland champions up against Dunloy of Antrim. That's at half past one. And that's followed by the team who lost the football final last year, Kilmacook Croaks, who go up against the team who've knocked out the the reigning champions Kilku. It is Glen of Derry in the football final at half past three. A great day's entertainment to look forward to at Croke Park. Delighted to say former All-Ireland winning goalkeeper with Galway and co-host of the Hurling Pod ahead of season two of the pod. James Scale is here with me. Scale, how are you getting on? Very well. How are you, Will? Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to this Hurling final even though it's very heavily weighted on expectation on Ballyhell Shamrocks to win. That probably shouldn't be any great surprise though. I mean, if it wasn't for Covid, which took a championship out, and then the Harry Ruddle goal for Ballygunner last year at Croke Park. It's only really 10 months ago now at this stage. Yeah. We could be talking about Ballyhill going for five in a row. Uh, potentially, yeah. I was just looking up a few statistics there <clears throat> during the week. And obviously it's their fourth final in five days. And, you know, the, the quality of opposition they've come up, with, come up, come up against in, in those finals has been, has been top drawer. And to see how uh, they took down Ballygunner, because if I go back to the Ballygunner and Pearson game in the Munster Championship, like I was so impressed with Ballygunner that I actually struggled to see how to be beaten, especially when you get to Crow Park with, with more space and the kind of legs they have in the forwards and then for Belly Hill to do what they did to a team of the calibre of Belly Gunner was, was amazing on their behalf. I'll openly admit, after that performance, particularly from Bally Gunner, and they had a long layoff before they played in Munster mm-hmm. and then swept all before them in the Provincial Championship, there was a little bit of shakiness at times about Bally Hill Sharmrocks, particularly the second half against Chemical Croaks in Leinster. And you started to wonder, OK, maybe they're a bit susceptible to teams running against them. Bally Gunner are very good at that type of game. And I think it's fair. A lot of people probably saw Bally Gunner as favourites going into the semi-final before Christmas. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And, and truth be told, I, I placed them as favourites also. I thought they were going to go for two in a row. I was looking at Bally Gunner thinking... You know, even looking towards the future, saying that uh, they they'll come through Waterford quite easily, as as they've shown in the past, and they could go two, three. Four, who who knows what they are capable of? Because they seem to have a good mix of experience, obviously, and and mix that with some some fast forwards like they have. Like they have, uh, I, I was amazed because you look at Crow Park, you see one thing you need in Crow Park for sure is legs and a lot of legs because there's an awful lot of space and you can get opened up very quick. And I thought maybe Ballyhale and everyone will say that they're aged a bit. That's why the performances they produce, and it's a typical Kenny performance whereby they're always hanging in there, always and forever hanging in. You can never get rid of them, <laughs> per se. And and if the longer they hang in, a Kenny team, any Kenny team you play against, the longer they hang in, the more of a chance they, they, they have to turn you over. And that's why you look at the, even the, the what they conceded. It was a 16 points against Billy Gunner, off memory, I think. Um, 16, point, what, 16 points or so against a team of that calibre like, is, is fantastic. And I'm, I'm looking towards the final now. At the weekend, I'm I'm saying to myself like, Bally Gunner or Bally Bally excuse me, are going to put up a big score. Like I'm just again looking to the statistics, and you can say over their championship games with Kilkenny, Leinster Championship, and Ireland, they've scored an average of 27 points. So 
for Dunlai to come to Crow Park and stop Belly Hale anywhere near that Lehelone exceeded is, is going to be a huge task for them yeah because I'm not sure where Adrian Mullen is going to hurl at the weekend scale because he mm-hmm. came out in a bit more of a drawn <coughs> role but maybe against Ballygunner that was just give extra numbers against the team they were playing against maybe they want to get him as close to the other goal as possible this time when you think you know Colin Fenley who's probably flourished in his post-Kilkenny days by being able to concentrate on Ballyhale Shamrocks TJ Reid one of the best players of his generation if not the best player of his generation and then you mix in two of the last young hurlers of the year in Owen Cody and Adrian Mullen it's firepower that's almost unheard of that they have within that squad like it's an embarrassment to riches I know when you talk about this at county level you're always looking at Limerick how, how they have um, they just have a numerical advantage over top, with top quality players and it's the same on the club level for Ballyhale. They just they they have it covered in all in all areas. And I think with the Adrian Mullen, like you were saying, I think that was kind of a system whereby they had to uh, have a certain type of game plan to, to I suppose nullify Ballygunner and then get ahead of them. Whereas in the Dunlai game, I can see more of a I suppose a fifteen on fifteen if you like, with Adrian Mullen slightly drawn out. But still the same old system. You know, put pumping high ball down top of TJ, he's going to win it. Mullen and Cody coming off him and then long ball into Colin Finley, who was amazing one on one and creates so many chances even an off chance he can create for others and I think they're going to have great fruition at the weekend like if you go back history has a funny habit of repeating itself and I was just looking back through Dunloy's previous appearances so they played in 95 against Burr after a replay as you well know and they scored 9 points cumulatively in both days then they played Newtown Shandrum in 2004 they got 9 points and I'm looking again for the weekend and I'm saying to myself I, I, and with this is a great respect now I don't, I, I'd really love to be in their shoes the weekend how they're going to t- get, get over Belly Hill and will they score 11, 12, 13 points? I, I, I just don't know. Like, and I know the handicap is, if you look at the, the bookies, they're saying it's a minus seven, minus eight, but this is, it's, it's heavily weighted towards Belly Hill. And it, when you look at the numbers that they have in the forwards, the caliber, the firepower, the pace, you know, they can do it all individually as well as, as a collective. It's very, very hard to see how Dunloy can come, come close to them, to be honest. Yeah, like when we look at Dunloy, this is a great year they've had. They were able to get past Loch Neal, who've been their provincial rivals in recent years. And we know that Loch Neal have made it sticky for Ballyhale Shamrocks when they've met in All-Ireland semi-finals in recent years, but Ballyhale were able to come out on top. For Dunloy, that win against St. Thomas's, I think they totally deserved it and they played some magnificent hurling with the type of distribution they got into that forward line. A great goal uh, to win the game during the match as well and I thought they came home uh, very comfortable after the goal went in. But there must be a feeling around Galway that St. Thomas's didn't really turn up for that semi-final. Uh, it's true, yeah. <clears throat> like Again, we St. Thomas has knocked us out of the championship this year um, and with that in mind, I thought going up to Crow Park that they were probably set you know, for a run towards the final. Um, I suppose it's viewed here in Galway, again, with respect, if you get the northern side of the draw, you've got a, good, a great chance to get to a final. But that's not always the case. You see what Dunlai have done to Athenroy, Portumna, you know, what they've now done to St. Thomas' Lockheel, what they did to St. Thomas' is bring them to a replay in the past. So it's not as simple as one might think. However, Thomas's, I think, when they look back at it, they will say they underperformed uh, and underperformed a lot. Now, granted, they were missing two key players when you consider Dara Burke and, and James Regan, and those two guys to any team, especially to Thomas's and to their system, was an awful loss. So you take those two guys out of that team, and obviously their, their productivity dropped a lot. Um, but still, when saying that, you would imagine that they, they would have thought going into the game they'd have enough to, to, to overtake them. And in fairness, for watching the game live, Dunloy never seemed in trouble. <laughs> you know, they, I know it was half time, was 6 6 or something like that, but. They never. They, they always seem to have a gear ahead of St Thomas's, and St Thomas just couldn't find. They couldn't find a different game plan, a way around Dunloy, and they had all the answers on the day. Dunloy, so credit credit to them there, but they're facing a, a wholly different proposition against uh, against Bally Hill at the weekend. And if you rewind, going back to the the, the semi final, if you remember St Thomas was playing Bally Hill last year, was it? 
Yeah, I think it was last the year. The one in Turles, like that's things get like Turles. I can't reconcile those two performances because it yeah, took that moment to TJ Reid magic to get Ballyhale over the line, and it really felt like St Thomas's had come to a position where they were one of the absolute best in the country last year. And then I saw the frustration that was on their faces and the frustration probably among their supporters as well with the performance that they put in uh, just before Christmas. Yeah, because even like there was a level of ferociousness when they played Belly Hill um, last year. And that was met with, again, great execution of the forwards. And I just remember Conor Cooney throwing himself around against Belly Hill, you know, mowing lads down. <laughs> and that shows a real intent, aggressive intent. And that performance against Belly Hill was a far cry for what they produced against Dunlai. And even the county final against Loch Ray, like what they produced the second day was, was brilliant. Awesome hurling, you could say. And w- w- which was, you were kind of saying, Thomas, is, this is five in a row. Are they ever going to win? Are they ever going to go down the way? But it actually, it seemed like in Goward, they were ascending this year. They were actually getting better with, I don't know, with age, with experience, whatever you can say. And then what they produced in the semi-final was extreme, extreme disappointing. And me as a Goward man, I was hoping for, for our sake collectively that they'd make a run mm. um, towards the final and see what they can produce against the, the top two, if you like. Um, but it didn't happen. So I'd say everyone's disappointed. I, I, no more so than Thomas's group. But, um, and now they're, they're a wounded animal again coming to the Goward Championship, which is not what I want. <laughs> No, only going for the six in a row uh, next yeah, year in as well. Uh, Dunloy themselves, I mean, look, what a story they are. I thought Keelan Malloy's goal in the semi-final, one of the best goals of the year, is going to be right up there when we uh, maybe reflect on the season and go for goal of the year. I thought there was a directness about the running and I thought it was almost um, like the type of running they tried to do throughout the second half caused so much damage to St. Thomas's. And I thought they were very clever with the distribution. I'm a big fan of Conal Cunning, have been for a few years. They yeah. passed the ball around really cleverly within that forward line. When they got possession, especially in that second half, I thought they used it very effectively. Yeah, and did you notice that they played a lot like the Antrim County team at the moment in terms of possession, retention, using the ball? It wasn't just a what you see sometimes a hit and hope kind of one-on-one situation but they, they utilised the ball they kept possession even if you look at the game as a whole I, I would say the possession stats if they were available would be 60-40 in favour of Dunloy smart very efficient with the ball and then when they see an opening they go for it so like big players for Antrim are playing are playing for Dunloy you see when you, when you see the sedge Cunning, Malloy Elliott so they need to produce uh, and produce to a level that they probably have never done before Granted, there are, I think, four or five in a row in Antrim at the moment, so they've came through their, their county championship with relative ease, but they're going to have to produce a, a system and, and a game plan. And now it's one thing producing it, um, or even, I suppose, thinking it up, but to produce it against a team of the calibre of Belly Hale, who, remind, I must remind you, have come through the Kinney Championship that, as we all know, and I think it's nationally known at the minute, is a dog-eat-dog championship, come through a very, very tough Leicester championship and have come through an extremely tough semi-final. So these are a battle-hardened hungry club team so if you're trying to get over them yes you have you have to have your game plan correct but you have to execute it to a level that you that probably don't lie have never done before and that's that's, that's the big task can you execute the game plan that they've set out to do to 110 percent and and see if can they take down belly hill that's the big question and i just yeah. I don't think they can, to be honest. It's the last thing every other club in the country needed was Ballyhale also having the drive of last year, having lost in such dramatic circumstances, last yeah. book of the ball, gave them every reason to be hungry going into the 2022-23 season. I like. I was very impressed by Joey Holden. I know what you made of his performance against Ballygunner. I thought he was very assured. Everyone was talking before the game about you know the great runners that Ballygunner had within their team and the potential danger they could do. I thought Joey Holden put in a wonderfully composed performance. It wasn't about yeah. maybe, say, last gas blocks or anything like that, but he was so good at being in the right place at the right time all game. You're, you're, you're so right. And look, I don't even know who got man the match with. And, and, and with respect, if you were to pick out TJ Collin 
one code if you want to, in that forward unit where, where he has inter-county support around him with the forwards it's easy to pick out a man of the match and look well with respect with Joey Holden at the back what he was up against um, I, he was my man in the match in the semi-final I thought he was awesome like he did two things he was able to mark space and mark the man which is extremely difficult so he was obviously ahead of the game in terms of his reading ability and he had to, he had to do that like he had to take a numerous amount of chances in, in getting out in front and trying to cut out balls into the, the Jesse Hutchinson and the Fitzgeralds' world so like he he has probably gotten better at the club stage if you like since he left the Kilkenny panel and interesting to read his article obviously <clears throat> even for a man for all he's won all he's done in the game he still has regrets with regards to the Ballygunner game last year which shows a hunger and desire that they have down there that I don't think is ever matched when you consider what they've done I think they're probably the winningest uh, club team in the country probably eight, got, I'd imagine if they have nine All-Irelands at the end of this weekend it's going to be a job for anyone to ever catch them ever, ever catch them yet. The, I think the furthest at the moment is probably the Burrs and the Portumnas and like that's again you, these, these teams come in generations Portumna came in a generation Burr was a generation so was Athenry right. but Ballyhale has stood the test of time I don't know how they do it when you, when you pass through their village you know it's no bigger than the back lawn abroad you could say but it's just that they still produce these hurlers they have a great system they seem to have a great camaraderie they're very close um, uh, even in game and out of game so it's, it's again when you, when you assess all of them and what, they, what they've done in the past it all weighs itself towards themselves uh, taking home number 9 at the weekend Yeah well we were chatting to Morris Brosnan from the Irish Examiner a little bit earlier in the week Scott, and he was making almost that very point which is teams often have uh, a shelf life as a club where they have a, a golden generation and sometimes they will make the most of it and Bertumna and Burr definitely did that and we're looking at some of the football teams and there are plenty of teams who won All-Irelands 20 years ago and have won very few senior titles even since in the case yeah. of Ballyhill Shamrocks and in a very competitive Kilkenny Championship they lose players in recent years to retirement like Michael Fenley a former hurler of the year one of the very best of all time in Henry Shefflin and yet they unearthed an Owen Cody and an Adrian Mullen to be their successors yeah, and like every club team, I suppose, every year, you're trying to introduce some youth players into your team to try to keep the, the revolving door open. Obviously, people leave, people come in, there's immigration, there's you know family life, etc. So in a club team, there's always noticeable changes. But if you're, when you take Belly Hill, they've gone through an awful lot of changes. As you said, Michael Fenley, you know, Chaff is Patrick, everyone seems to forget about him, you know, and, and still to be able to produce not only youth. Now, that's, this is one thing. Youth is one thing, but to produce the calibre of youth that they've done who are now, Mullen and Cody, two, as, as has been proven, two of the best young players in the country. That's, again, that's an, that's an irregularity. You don't see that in, in club teams on, on a regular level. So if you have a, if you have a team, let's say, who's beside, Lock Ray is beside me, they introduced a couple of new players this year. Good players who've done a good, I suppose, a good lot of work for the club, but to produce on, a, on an inter-county level what the two lads have done, Hale done, sure, it's, it's unheard of. Like, And I, again, there's no recipe, you know, there's no formula, it just seems to be that they're integrating into the system, the club system, whether that's getting at them young, getting into schools, whether it's the Kieran Pollard, it's, it's hard to know, but it's amazing. And as I said earlier at the start of this, it's an embarrassment to riches. And again, if they win this one, you know, they're going to be right back there next year. The hardest thing for them, I suppose, on a temporary basis is to get out of Kinney. Uh, and to see what the, the scores they've racked up in Kinney, as, as I said, an average of 27, 28 points. That's awesome scoring by any championship. If you go to a club, if you can score 22, 23 points, You've 99 times 100 you're going to win the game but for them to average 27 against the opposition they faced is, uh, is tremendous Yeah mass respect to Illinois as well as you mentioned they've been to the dance four times in back to back years and two occasions lost to Burr in two of the finals the draw the first day 
And my abiding memory, Skell, was actually being in Crow Park at the time it was being reconstructed. So the wind was blowing through the stadium and there was snow on St. Patrick's Day that year. And Bird just about got out and won the replay in 1995. And I always felt for Deloitte they lost the year after. And then similarly, they lost to Bird in 03. They lost the final the year after that as well. So um, mm-hmm. tough going for them with the finals they've been to. And just a word for Gregory O'Kane, who just Mr. Dunloy. Uh, basically, 1990, they win their first Antrim title. He's playing. He's been involved in every single championship they've won at club, provincial, and now into the All-Ireland Series in some capacity. He's either been a player, a selector, a coach, or in this case, the manager. So um, what a run of success that he's been involved every year since 1990. I want to ask you as well, because I know you have no more topic you enjoy talking to me about than the winter of 2015 into 2016, because Joe Canning's been talking about it again. Uh, Anthony Cunningham and Michal O'Donnell coming in to replace him. Uh, Michal was in charge last week of uh, his Dublin team taking on Galway in the Welsh Cup. So uh, he's moved on, but he was your manager in 2017 when you won the All-Ireland. so at the yeah. moment, Joe Canning's been promoting Lairca Gale, uh, which is out very soon. Uh, we'll be speaking to Joe on the show as well. Uh, he said, quote, with Anthony, referring to Anthony Cunningham, everyone knows the players had a vote and the players were represented to go and talk to him as well. I was part of that. I felt, and three or four of the other guys felt, that we should have been looking at ourselves and not the management. I backed Anthony to stay because he had done so much for us. It wasn't the right thing to do and it just got messy after that. That to me sounds like... Joe Canning, very clearly, was one in the camp that felt Anthony Cunningham should stay. What's your thoughts on what he said? Yeah, I think, I, I think um, first of all, his comments are fair. Like, it's, it's the person's opinion. And you have to understand, this, uh, the group, albeit it's an amateur sports team, still is a democracy. You know? So there's no dictator, there's no overriding ruler. Um, the captain, just like anybody else, has, has one vote, the same as the last substitute. So I think everyone assessed the situation and assessed, I suppose, the period in which Anthony was over us and all that had happened in that four in the four seasons, what had got on in particular in that season, um, to the quality of what was produced probably on a training perspective. You know, I think everyone universally did, did their own assessment. I did my own assessment, you know, the 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 Ferdinand Moore's Tony Oaks, they all did their own assessments, as did Joe and, and others, and just came to a decision that on, on their own opinions that maybe he, he thought and which is his way now, I will pause for a second. That's his way though in general, whereby he'd always be first to look at himself or look mm-hmm. at us as a player. He, he would never want really, as well, in my opinion, he'd never want to pass blame to, to a selector maybe, or to a game plan or anything like that. So it's, it's look internally first and then if, if internally is right, you can look externally. But Whereas for me, I was looking across the board, looking at ourselves, yes, absolutely, taking that on one hand, but then looking at what, if we got a different setup and we got a different, I suppose, viewpoint, uh, freshness with, with a different type of game plan. And then I looked at, at probably the assets that the players have when I put them together, I said, okay, it's time for a change. And uh, see, hindsight is simple, right? Now, where I sit right now, it's obvious we won a couple of Leinsters, you know, a couple of leagues, etc. Won that Ireland, which is great. And that's, that, I have the benefit of hindsight. But at the time, that was a very, very difficult decision. That was, wasn't just us clicking our fingers saying, right, everyone gone and get a new management team. We didn't know Michal was going to be the manager. Had no idea. We hadn't got anyone lined up. There was no one touted, no one approached. It was just a, st- a stage-by-stage thing where you have to assess your own situation. So the, and this group... The referendum then was, James it's either Anthony stays or we look another way. It wasn't, say, one management team versus the other. No, no, it wasn't. Because if you remember, we went to, where did we go that winter? We went to Boston, if you remember, for the, the 11 aside in Fenway Park. We went to no management team. We didn't go anyone. We went to ourselves as a group of players, which was, <laughs> it was unheard of. So at the time, it was exactly that. It was a decision of, A, do we keep Anthony and the management team in place? Or B, do we look for another route? And I suppose the way the vote went, it was a, a overridely go, go a different route. Did the 
four or five lads that Joe mentions there that were on, say, team continuity, I'm going to call it, keep Anthony Cunningham around as management team for the next year, did they easily then roll back in once Michal came in? Um, I'm trying to think who the four or five were. You, you would think I'd know, wouldn't you, pretty easily? Um, I'd imagine yes. there was heated debates about it, surely. Absolutely. Oh, there 100% was, you know. Um, because you're, you're talking about, again, high per- I know we're amateurs, but you're still talking about high-performing athletes who are putting a lot of time into this. And so if you're doing that, you want to have everything right. So, And again, you're talking about, in truthfully speaking, alpha males. You know, you have them in your, you're the alpha male in your club, you come into a setup where you bring all those alpha males together and there's going to be heated debate, heated opinion, which is fine. That's no problem. That's all part of a healthy relationship with a healthy group. Um, but they, they rode in. Everyone rode in. Once the decision was made, granted, there was a bit of back and forth and it did get a bit of mess, a bit messy in the media, which, truthfully speaking, we didn't expect. I didn't expect it personally. I didn't think it would go that far or go kind of that uh, public, if you like, where we had to introduce a mediator. And ultimately, we just when, when it was all said and done and Anthony stepped aside, I think it was just a line in the sand. Everybody move on. There was no ill feeling or there was no bad blood between anybody because that would, if there was, it would have destroyed the group. And as, as science showed in the past, it didn't. Well, look, ultimately, you get your Celtic cross in 2017. So it's proven correct that Michal was the right manager to get you to that point and to bridge the gap. Were you very aware that there was probably a feeling around the country at the time that there were many people who thought, you know what, these Goa boys have got a bit too big for their boots. Uh, they've decided oh, that they're better than the management that they've just gotten rid of. Oh, okay. I was very cognizant of that, Will, because if you go back to, if you remember the time of the Cork strike, um, they got now, again, go back, that's a different time again. You know, they got lambasted. And the traditionalists in Hurling, whether in GAs as a whole, they'll always say, Man- managers manage and players play. That, that, that's it. And that's what you're, a, a lot of people that was probably coming at us and giving us a bit of a stick, you know, would, would be a lot of the traditionalists whereby they wouldn't like players speaking up uh, towards, a, towards a management group, about a management group, and ultimately you know, remove, removing a management group, they, they probably have the opinion, play and play only. And we understand that. And it did put a, a bit of pressure on us. But the thing is, once Michal came on board and the management, they kicked off, the pressure was kind of alleviated because you were just focused on your, your goal. The goal is the same every year. Win the league, win the Leinster, win the Ireland. So it wasn't as if it was carried throughout the year. We have to win the Ireland because of what went on seven, eight months ago. That just got completely, you know, blew into the air. So yes, for a couple of months, it was heated. Uh, it was all over the media. There was an awful lot of calls, text messages, journalists approaching and looking for comments. Kind of attention you didn't want. Mm. And then when, once January came along and February and you're into the roller, roller games, on it went. Now, in fairness, if you remember that year, I think off memory we got relegated from the league by Cork uh, on the on the last day. So again, that put a bit of pressure onto us for the 2016 season. But it just I think it just galvanised it. I mean, it's a bit steely, a bit harder, you know, to, to understand that block out the outside noise and just look after yourselves. Well, look, we'll be talking to Joe on the show. I think next week is the plan we have in mind at the moment. I'm looking forward. We can pick up this conversation with Paul on season two of the Hurling Pod in a few weeks' time as well. So I'm already looking forward to that, James. Thanks a million. No bother, Will. Thanks for it. And we've got the club finals at Crow Park this coming weekend. We'll have coverage here on Off the Ball across Sunday. And our club GEA coverage on AIB is brought to you, or sorry, our club coverage here on Off the Ball is brought to you by AIB. They are the proud sponsors of the All Ireland Club Football Hurling and Camogie Championships. Check out the hashtag, the toughest.